the Savior saved Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness Watch and pray Find in me thine all and all. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine Can change a leopard's spots and melt a heart of stone. Jesus paid it.
So glad that Jesus paid it all because I don't have enough. I don't have what it takes to get myself out of the mess that I'm in. But I'm glad that we have a Savior that loved us so much that he was willing to pay not just some. You know, sometimes we, we have things, we have people, and we'll just pay a part of something for them to help them out. But Jesus wasn't worried about the cost. He paid it all for you, for you, for you, for you, and for me. And I praise God for that. Thank you so much for your ministry and music this evening. Good evening, everybody. It is indeed a privilege to be here with you this evening and just prior to walking in I learned that we were going to be streaming live I called my wife but the word had already reached her and not only is she listening live but she called her parents in Pennsylvania it is 20 minutes to 11 to them but they are listening live as well so greetings to my wife, Connie, my son, David Jr., as they sit by the laptop listening, and my mother and father-in-law. Good evening to you all as well, and to everyone else that's listening via the internet. Truly, the Lord is good, amen? amen. And we have had a good time here thus far. I'd, uh, our scripture this evening is one that you are quite familiar with, many of you. It can be found in the book of Exodus. It is the fourth commandment, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. I think this was the first verse that I ever learned that was this long in the Bible. Because in the Bethany Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bridgeton, New Jersey, we said it every Sabbath that we were in church. And I often wondered, you know, when you're two and three and four and five and six, what does this mean? I used to have to look in the Bible, but now I could memorize it. I'm, what does it mean? But I've come to appreciate the verse, the older I've gotten, and the more understanding I've gotten of it. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heavens and the earth the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I invite you to pray with me tonight as we talk briefly on the topic, what a difference a day makes. Let us pray, and now God our Father, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. 
And I pray right here, right now, those things that are in me that would inhibit the free working of your Holy Spirit, I confess them. I ask you to forgive me. Don't let me be the stumbling block. And then, Lord, speak to your people as only you can. We expect nothing less. For you said if you were lifted up, you would draw men unto you. We ask these favors and mercies now in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ironic that my wife would be listening because the first part of the sermon deals with her. And I did not anticipate her hearing this part, so I'm sure she'll be cringing in our bedroom back home. But here it is, Connie, and noted, I love you. It was June 20th. Many of you have heard this story before. Some of you have not. It was June 20th, 1993. It was a day I had waited all my life for. It was my wedding day. And I, I, I had counted down the days, starting from the however long it was, I counted all the days down till it was like 10 days left, yes, nine days left, eight, seven, six. At Oakwood, everybody, you know, during the end, that time, David, how many days do you have left? 72. I could just tell them at the drop of a hat. And if you asked me, I could tell you how many hours and minutes do because I was excited about that thing. It was my wedding day. Nothing could mess with that. Apparently, Connie was excited about it too. For she spent a great deal of time talking about this day and looking at pictures about this day and conversing with her parents about this day. Oh, it was going to be a day that we would never, ever forget. And then it came. June 20, 1993, and all of the work and everything that went into it beforehand, the day just poof, just like that. We did all of this anticipating, and then poof, there it was, just like that. It just seems like a blur. If there were not a video, I probably wouldn't remember too much about it. I also remember, I remember that it was Father's Day and Connie's dad was pleased. That made me feel good. He felt that his youngest daughter had a nice Christian young man. What more could you ask for, he said. I said, amen, pops. And I felt good about myself. The day before, that Sabbath, June 19th, I even preached at her church. Mountaintop Experience was the name of the sermon, June 19th, 93, so that her home congregation, because she was away at Oakwood and she comes back, hey, I'm getting married, so they would have a chance to meet me too. I preached. Everything was going according to plan. There was one little challenge though, just one. On Friday, June 18th, 
there was a NBA, National Basketball Association, game that took place. It just happened to be game five of the NBA championship between the Phoenix Suns and the Chicago Bulls. I didn't watch the game because it was Friday night. But I wanted something to happen that game. I wanted Chicago to win that Friday night. They had a three games to one lead. If they win, the championship is over and there would be no game six. Imagine my chagrin when after the Sabbath was over. Yes. <laughs> I looked to see who had won the game, and I noted in the paper that Phoenix had won 108-98, to sending it back to Phoenix for game six. Now, why is that so important? Well, game six just happened to be June 20, 1993. And I had a previous engagement for that evening that would take me away from the NBA championship. I could feel all the darts coming at me from the women's eyes in this room. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I know, you look, I know what you're thinking. I see all of you looking at me like this, like, I, you better not say what I think you're going to say. Well, <laughs> I'm going to talk about something else real quick, then I'll do that. When the wedding came, I forgot all about Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. All I thought about was this girl and this white dress. Man, she looked good. Glad you listened, Connie. <laughs> you look good, baby. She looked, you still do. She, she was fine in every way. And she was walking down the aisle to me. All I could think of was praise God for this gift that he has given me. I said I do, she said I do, we did, it was great. Reception, people kept clinking glasses. I didn't have a chance to eat because they did it every two seconds. I'm like, come on, let me eat. And finally we went away to our special place. The thing that every little girl dreams of her wedding day and her wedding night. And I just knew that it would be worth the wait. Young people, when you have something that's real good, good things are worth waiting for. Don't rush into anything. That's just haphazard. That, that's just like getting a peanut butter sandwich when you could get a five course meal. Some things are worth the wait. And Connie was worth the wait. She made herself look beautiful. And then she said, I'm going to go out and get something. I think she wanted some ice or something. I don't know. I don't know. She left the room. And there was nobody else in the room but me, myself, and I. 
and the TV and the remote control. And that remote control began to speak to me. It said, David, you know you want to pick me up, don't you? I responded, yeah. Don't you want to know who won the game? And I could just see Connie, and she wasn't in the room, though. And I, I don't know what happened. The remote control just, I looked and it was in my hand. And I saw P-O-W-E-R, power. And I thought, I wonder what will happen if I push this button. So I pushed it. And the, whole, the, the hotel's channel came on. And so I just hit channel a few times, just a few, until I saw what was going on in America West Arena, Phoenix, Arizona. And I saw Michael Jordan with exuberance going like this. And I knew that the Bulls had won the championship. And I looked at the TV and the TV looked at me and we were in concert with one another as we both screamed, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I heard the most awful sound. I heard a key go into the room door and I grabbed the remote with haste, and I pushed the power button. And it was like back in the day how the TVs were. You remember when you had to push it and it took forever for that thing to go off? And that little spot would just stay there? I hated that thing, because you know, David, don't you cut the TV on, okay. And she go outside, and I'm in the, <laughs> and, and, and then you always go feel it to see if it's hot, so you got to fan that thing to cool it off. Amen. <laughs> so I pushed a button. And this was a modern TV. It wasn't supposed to do that, but it took forever. And I was saying, Jesus, please, please make that picture go away. Please, please. And the door opened, and it was just, just as she walked in the door. I just laid there like I wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> threw that remote, I threw it on the floor. <laughs> hey, baby. <laughs> you had the TV on, didn't you? What? You had the TV on, didn't you? What TV? The TV? Why would I have? You were watching the game, weren't you? No. I was not watching the game. The game was over. So I was not watching the game. Were you watching the game? No, I was not watching the game. You know who won, don't you? Why are we talking about this, dear? <laughs> you cut the TV on on our wedding night, our honeymoon, and you're mo most concerned with Michael Jordan than with me. I don't believe you. You ruined my night. I'm sorry. I know you are sorry, but I'm really sorry. Yes, you are. I'm going to sleep. 
puddles of tears began to form in my eyes. I'd waited a lifetime for this. <laughs> and I threw it all away for Michael Jordan and I still never met him. <laughs> Stupid. Stupid. Every anniversary that I've had since then, I never forget that Michael won his championship <laughs> on that day. <laughs> I'm not going to say that it's brought up. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. But I've done the best that I could to make that anniversary special in the years that have gone by. How many of you know that each week we have an anniversary? It's called the Sabbath. We just had one yesterday. And how many times do we, figuratively speaking, turn on the Bulls game and make God feel as though he's secondary in our lives? How many times do we ruin his big night? by our actions on his day. We know the story of creation. In six days, the Lord created the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that in them is. We understand that. We understand that he rested on the seventh day. He didn't rest because he was tired or anything. He rested because he was finished. He had, did, he had done all that he could do. His work was done. There was nothing else left to create. And so the Bible says that he rested. And he wanted to put a framework into place so that his people, his creations, would always remember what it was that he had done. They want, he wanted them to remember that he was the source of life. So every week he gave them an anniversary whereby they could come and celebrate him. Professor E.W. Thomas in the Herald of Gospel, Gospel Liberty wrote, the Sabbath is the great memorial of creation and of God's creative power, a constant reminder of the true and living God. God's design in making the Sabbath and in commanding that it be kept holy was that man might never forget him. He wanted something in place where they would never forget who he was. He did not want people to get so busy in life that they would forget. Who, who, who would forget their anniversary? Wait, I, I digress. I had some friends. I sent them an anniversary card. They called me. They said, David, you sent us an anniversary card. I said, I know. I do that every year. August 6th, that's your anniversary. They said, we forgot today was our anniversary. They were so busy working and doing stuff that they forgot they were even in the month of August. How do you, they thought it was still July, they told me. How do you do that? 
But God doesn't want us to get so busy, come on, David, that we forget him. So he designed a time uh, 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 for us to be able to contemplate him. It, it, it says cessation from ordinary labors and occupations of the week was ordained not because they are wrong and sinful, but that man might have an appointed time and a frequently recurring period for the contemplation of the creator and his works. Ezekiel 2020 and hollow my Sabbaths that they shall be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And with this Sabbath, it does not begin and end like regular days. It comes in at the setting of the sun. Leviticus 23, 32, from even unto even, or evening unto evening, shall you celebrate your Sabbath. Deuteronomy 16, 6, at the going down of the sun. That signifies when the new day begins. So we don't have to, in celebrating the Sabbath, sit up till midnight to bring it in. It comes in at a time when we're fully alert, fully awake, and we can appreciate it. It should not be something where, oh man, I just got the last thing from the grocery store. I just, I got two minutes. Oh, I made it in with two seconds to spare. Let us pray. But it should be something that we anticipate, we're excited about. And God ordained it so it can come in and go out at a time when we're fully, fully alert. We've gone over the history of the Sabbath. And there's a whole lot more that we could cover. But I want to focus this on how you should keep it holy. The Bible says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Yes, we know that. We say that all the time. But how do we keep it holy? I'd like to suggest that there are three ways that God wants us to utilize his Sabbath. Three ways. Number one. He wants us to use the Sabbath to rest our bodies. Say it again, David. He wants us to use the Sabbath to rest our bodies. God set the example for us in creation. He knows that we can get consumed by the stuff that we do. When you love your job, and you're really into it, you think about it all the time, you could just go, 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 go without ever stopping. God did not design the human body for nonstop work. He designed it so that every seven days, and scientists have proven this, every seven days the body needs complete and total rest so that it can be effective. He doesn't want us to burn the candle at both ends thinking we can achieve a bigger piece of the pie. He wants us to know that we should depend on him to achieve those things. He wants us to be reminded of him. But when you say to rest, some people feel guilty. 
There are people, I know them, they don't want to take a day off from work ever. Because you feel guilty when you just sit there and you're seemingly doing nothing. I got a day off. What am I going to do today? I don't know. I'll just go by the office and just see what's happening. I'll go. I, I, I'm, I'm at uh, uh, Taco Bell, my favorite restaurant. I like their prices, especially this 39 cent deal they got going on. Hallelujah for 39 cents. You can eat five of them jokers and you full. With beans, of course. Amen. And I'm in Taco Bell, and this person came in, and they said, what are you doing here today? It's your day off. Well, I didn't have anything else to do, so I figured you all needed some help. Well, okay, come on back. No. You shouldn't feel guilty because you have a built-in day off in the middle of the week. Jesus relaxed. He took a day off every week. Are we better than Jesus? That we, we say we don't need that time? And then there are those young people when I used to teach that would ask me. I taught Bible. They said, so pastor, is it wrong for me to do my Bible homework on the Sabbath? I was in the seminary. And people would ask, and they, they were trying to figure out, obviously, I think we all had a, knew the answer, but people would say, would it be wrong? Because I'm studying this to do his work. Is it wrong for me to study? And just, I won't even call it study. I'll just call it, you know, I have 500 pages to read. Oh, I'm free this afternoon. Is it wrong to just read a couple hundred of them? There. But the Sabbath was not built for that. The Sabbath was built or it's put in for you to get total and complete rest. Not taking the day off is a sign of immaturity. It's like the little kid that doesn't want to go to bed. My son, David Jr., God bless him, he's listening right now. My son, David Jr., hated going to bed. And we would have, well, my wife said, just leave him in there, he'll fall asleep. But I, I couldn't do that, because he would just, and so I would put him in the car, and I would take him for rides, and that's how I would learn my way around the neighborhood. Because we had just moved, I'd just drive, and, and, and one night, one night, Sister Rupp, I pulled up in our driveway. I was so sleepy. That boy hadn't gone. It was like one in the morning. I had been driving for hours. And he was back there, Dad, what's up, Dad? And I'm sitting there driving like this, you know. And I pull in the driveway. He finally fell asleep. And I pull in. And that's all I remember. <laughs> and I opened my eyes, and it was starting to get light. I'm like, wow, I'm still in the car. And I looked behind me, and he was gone. I said, ah, what am I going to tell Connie? I ran in. He was in the bed. She went in there and got him and put him to sleep and left me out there. <laughs> but David.
David Jr., he had that spirit. He hated to go to bed. He was just determined, and he still has it. I don't want to go to sleep. That's what we're doing. We laugh at him, or sometimes we get frustrated when our children don't do it. But how do you think God feels when he's looking at us, and we're refusing to take advantage of the rest that we have? The second thing is to recharge our emotions. Resting your body is not enough. You need to rest your mind. God wants you to use the Sabbath to recharge your emotions. And in recharging them, there are three ways or three things that you should do on a Sabbath to make that possible. The first part of recharging your emotions on the Sabbath is to include time for quietness. He leadeth me beside the quiet or still waters. He restores my soul. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Mark 6.31, come aside for a while to a quiet place and rest. He wants you to spend time with him in the quietness of the moment. My wife likes that. She likes to be quiet. Well, she likes quiet time with me. And when I first got married, I was I said, I'm not that interesting. Why does she just want to be with me all the time? I'm a pretty dull fella, really. I don't like being with myself half the time. Why does she want to be with me? But then I understood, even in the quietness of not saying anything, a whole lot can happen. And when you sit and you're quiet and you're in God's presence, something can happen inside of you. That's when he speaks to you the most clear. It's not always through the sermon or, or through the loud thing as Elijah found out, but it's in the still small voice. And the only way to hear the still small voice is to just sit sometimes on the Sabbath and be quiet. You don't have nothing else to do. You're not going, what you thinking about, work? No. You're thinking about, yeah, well, we had a good time in church. Well, put what you heard in the sermon into practice. Sit and contemplate on that. Include time for quietness. The second part of recharging your emotions. Include time for family. Include time for family. A lot of kids hate the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath is a time from sundown to sundown where you can't. You can't watch TV. Can't play with your video games. Can't listen to your music. You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to dress up. You got to come here. You got to sit in church. You got to this, this, this. You just can't have, I don't like it. I understand that. 
because I didn't always, like I said earlier, appreciate it. From 1979 to 1982, a television show came on Friday nights on CBS at 8 o'clock. The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> which was my favorite show of all time. And every he turned into the Hulk, I, I was so obsessed. 8.23, ding! And then at 8.52, so I knew it. But I had this one problem, Lillian Hall. She didn't believe that you should do that because it was the Sabbath. And I would graciously rub her back and fan her because I loved her so much. She'd say, oh, David, and I'm looking at the clock, it's 8.15. I missed 15 minutes. <laughs> and she, David, I, I think I'm, I'm going to bed. Okay, good night. She just thought, oh, he is so sweet. And she would always say, and you better not cut that TV on either. <laughs> and I used to feel guilty the first few times. The first few times. But I'd close her door and get up so close to it. <coughs> so you wouldn't hear when I cut the button on, you know? Or at chew, because that thing was loud. Just in time. Ding! And he's a green, you know, shh, and he'd take his shirt off. Dun, dun, dun. Man, I was crazy about that show. And they took it off the air. And then I was on the basketball team, and I started. And the games were Tuesday and Friday. And... <laughs> Tuesdays weren't a problem. I played every Tuesday night. Started. I started the other games too. And people, I'm digressing now. People would ask me after a while, David, aren't you a, went to public school, aren't you one of those? I felt so guilty after doing that for three years of high school. My senior year, I didn't do it. Our family really had no Sabbath anything. Basically it was, cut the TV off, I'm going to bed, you on your own. That was it. Why can't I watch TV? Because I said so. And you better not cut it on either. We have to use the Sabbath as a time to reconnect with our families. We get so busy sometimes. My son, we had worship long time ago on a Friday night. And my wife said, Connie said, David Jr. wants to read the scripture tonight. And I looked at her. He doesn't know how to read. How are you gonna read the scripture? He said, Dad, I do know how to read. He was five, I think. 
five or six. I know how to read, said David. You don't know how to read, man. Daddy got this. I got the Dad, I know how to read, Dad. So we sitting there arguing on whether he can read or not. Finally, I said, here, I got the King James Bible out on him. <laughs> you, you know how to read? T-H-O-U, what's that, baby? <laughs> yeah, I handed him the big King James Version. Said, read that, Psalm 23. You know how to read. That boy read the whole thing. So worship was extended because I just started finding stuff in there. You know, let's go to Amos. Didn't have nothing to do with nothing. I was just testing him. Let's go to Amos. Let's go to Obadiah, <laughs> you know. And he read all that stuff. And I looked at him and I'm stunned. And I'm saying, you know how to read? He said, Dad, I've been reading for two years. <laughs> you have? Yeah, Dad, hadn't you looked at any of the papers I brought home from school? You brought papers home from school? I was so busy doing the Lord's work, I didn't even know my own son knew how to read. Sabbath has to be a time when you come together and you sit at the dinner table, you have your Sabbath dinner, your Sabbath lunch, and just talk. Spend time with each other. Get to know each other. I had to make an effort. I asked David, what's your favorite color? What do you like to do? I wanted to connect with my son. Do it while they're young so when they're older they'll still talk to you. If yours have gone on, pass that on to your children for their children or to any of you come in contact with and, 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 and including time with your family. You should spend part of the Sabbath if you are married with your spouse. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 9, enjoy life with the wife whom you love. If you have the chance to sit together in church, I've seen people that sit on the other side, I'm like, wow. And I used to preach every Sabbath. Wait, I still do. <laughs> but I used to preach every Sabbath, and I, I, I didn't understand why she said, David, can't you just say no to something? I said, Connie, I'm doing the Lord's work. God is pleased. She said, I would be pleased if you would sit next to me once in a while. And it took me getting sick. And the doctor saying that I couldn't preach for nine weeks. Whew. And I sat next to her for nine straight weeks. And she was just as happy as she could be. Imagine that. Use the Sabbath. Just get to know each other better. You have no other distractions. Third, third way to refocus or recharge your emotions, include time for fellowship. Include time for fellowship. I know that Church Pond is cool. 3ABN is cool. Hope Channel, that's good. 
You can sit right at home week after week after week after week after week. You can listen to Oakwood right on your computer. You can hear sermons. You don't have to leave the house and you keeping it holy. But Hebrews 10, 25 says, let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us encourage one another. You ever had those Sabbaths where you say, I just don't feel like leaving the house today. But then you come and you hear something that just gets you perked up and gives you what it takes to get to the rest of the week. It's just something being around people who think like you, who walk like you, who act like you. It was incredible when we went to the Pathfinder Campery and your Pathfinders represented well up there. They were the only group from our conference that marched in the parade. I was just as proud leading the parade and they behind me. A-B-L, Abundant Life. A-B-L, Abundant Life. That was some good stuff, Adrian. I know you encouraged them to do it. I could see by the way you looked at them. <laughs> <laughs> but being there with the 37,000 other young people, that was something that just gave you a charge. Being amongst them, uh, the electricity, it, if you have a lamp, if you take the plug out after a while, the light bulb will cool off. My cell phone, I've talked to Connie for about four hours today. My cell phone, when I don't have it, after a while that battery starts to drain. I gotta plug that joker up just so it can recharge. You have to plug yourself up one day out of the week, being around people that are like electrical outlets so that you can recharge yourself. None of this stay at home stuff. If you sick, Okay, every once in a while, okay. But 52 every once in a while in a row, no okay. That doesn't work. Third, you gotta refocus your spirit. Primary focus of Sabbath is worship. And you, while you ought to have worship every day, my mother-in-law, God bless her, every year she gives us a morning watch for Christmas. You get the box and you know what that square box is. It's the newest morning watch. And she writes the same message in it. I've gotten one 16 years in a row. I think she gave me one while I was engaged too to let me know I was part of the family I was in, yeah. And she always writes in it. She writes your name, I love you, Merry Christmas. She signs it, love mom. But that middle part that she has in there, I always remember. And I, don't, I never tell her, but it means so much to me. She says, begin each day with God. I'm digressing again. You ought to begin each day with God. You don't know what you had to go through that night, what he did to protect you, what he did for you. If you were here yesterday, you understand what I mean. You don't know what all had, had, had been taking place and got what first thing you do when you get up in the morning before you brush your teeth, before you kiss your spouse or yourself is to say, thank you, God, 
thank you for sparing my life to see one more day. You ought to begin that day talking to him. And after you take care of your needs, go spend some time with him. Quality time with him. That should happen every day, but especially on Sabbath. And you ought to put on your best and be at your best when you're going. Hey, hey, when I was trying to win Connie's heart, when I was trying to get close to her, I didn't come any kind of way. I did what it took to get to know her better. And I looked a certain way and I acted a certain way when I was around her because I loved her how much more so than for the one who gave her to me. I'm so grateful to him. I want to give him my best. Whatever my best, however you define it, I want him to know that I think he is special. And I want to spend time with him. I go to places and they say, we're finished at 12 o'clock. And I stand up at 11.52. We just want eight minutes of Jesus. That's all because we, we have other things to do. No! You don't have nothing else to do. If you were trying to win somebody, hey, honey, I got to leave our date because I got something else to do. No. I wouldn't, I'm on the phone with my wife. Honey, I got to go because something else, the game is on. No. You spend quality time with him. And in spending that quality time, with him, it begins to change you. You don't talk about the things that have gone on in church when you've spent quality time with him because you begin to see things the way that he sees it. You don't see the young lady that walked in, she had what? And spend 20 minutes talking about it at the dinner table. But you see it as praise God, she came to church because you're spending quality time with him. You don't sit there and talk about the pastor and why you don't like him and don't like the sermons and he can't preach his way out of wet paper bag. I heard somebody say that once. And he, I don't know what that means, but I just wanted to use it just then. And they say, wet paper bag, okay. So you don't sit there and spend that time because if you can sit there and do that, what make you think your kids want to come and listen to him? They don't want to hear him either. If you don't like him, you don't respect. And they see you going up there. How you doing, Pastor? God bless you. And they know you just finished talking about them. Or the elders, or the deacons, or whoever else you don't like. And then when the music come and you all hug fake, kids looking at you like, Psh. And then you wonder why they leave. Because they tired of faking it. You ought to... <laughs> Mm -mm. You ought to refocus your spirit on the Sabbath. Just before you walk in, God, what do you want me to get out of this experience today? Because every Sabbath that happens, God has placed someone there to say a word from him to you. I don't care if you don't like him. 
God can use it. He used a donkey once to speak to somebody. God can use, not saying that the person a donkey, but God can, God can use anything to get his point across. You say because you love him and you want to hear what he has to say. God, what do you have for me today? And you go in in the right frame of mind, in the right spirit, so that you can hear his words on his day. And I got one more for you. Make sure. Now, I know some people take medicine. I do too. And it makes me sleepy. Okay? But sometimes, make sure you get a nap or something before if you know you have a proclivity to drift. I used to watch people in church and they'd sit there and I, you know, because I was a little bored. So I was just sitting there waiting to see if their head was going to hit the back of the thing. And we'd be betting, not betting money or nothing, but the kids, we would just, you know, well, uh, we would just have a friendly competition, let's say, on how many people we could see hit their head on the thing and then pop back up, amen. <laughs> Pastor could say, you're going to hell, Ooh, amen. <laughs> Come on, get with it. Get the proper amount of rest so that you, you wouldn't sit there and sleep on your girl or your guy or your spouse. Jesus, you so boring, I'm going to sleep on you. No. 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 When you buy a new car, or a new-to-you car, amen. Right, about time for me to get one. I got 170-some thousand miles on mine. I need a new-to-me car now. When you buy one, they give you an owner's manual. And the manual has the maintenance schedule generally included. If you don't pay atten attention to that, and you just let the car go, eventually it wear out and breaks down. God has given us a manual, and he told us how to keep our cars functioning properly. And the Sabbath, it's not just an earthly thing. The Bible says in Isaiah 66, for as the new heavens and new earth which I shall make shall remain before me, saith the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain, and it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, saith the Lord. Friends of mine, what a difference a day makes. That one day gives you whatever it takes to make it through the next six. The devil, the devil, you've heard of him. He wants to make you think that day isn't all that. But this is what I need you to do in this moment. I want you to make a commitment in yourself a private commitment that I am going to do my very best to celebrate my anniversary with Jesus. He gives me a weekly one. I will do my best 
When you're married, you go all out sometimes just to make that one day. We get 52 of them. Go all out and make it special as a way to just tell him thank you. June 20, 1993, eventually, after several hours, Connie came and said, David, you are a bonehead. I said, I know. I was humble. She said, but I forgive you because I love you. And she forgave me. God looks at us and he sees how we ruin his anniversary. And he says, David, you a bonehead, figuratively speaking. But I love you. And he gives us chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. What I need you to do tonight is to show him appreciation for that. And the promise within yourself that I will do my very best to mark my weekly anniversary with you so that my batteries can get recharged so that I can be one of those people that help Matthew 24 14 come true and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness to every nation and then the end shall come when you honor the Sabbath you cooperate with him he puts you in a position so that the end can come I want to go home and have Sabbath with him and I need your help to make it happen Let's pray. Father, in the name that is above every other name, we give you praise. We thank you for you're a good God. You're a forgiving God. You're a God that when we're like the kid that don't want to go to sleep, you still work to provide rest because you know what's best for us. And right now, Jesus, in the quietness of this moment, there's some man, some woman, some boy, some girl that wants to say to you, I want to celebrate my anniversary, my weekly anniversary with you. And I, I want to show my appreciation to you by celebrating it and how I celebrate it. And I may not have done it right before, but I'm going to change up now. If you're in that category, just raise your hand quickly and put it down. Every eye is closed, every head's bowed. Heaven is recording your decision. But I recognize, Lord, that the enemy will try to disrupt things on Sabbath. But so what? You're in us, and greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Lord, we're going to celebrate your Sabbaths, not only down here, but throughout eternity. What a difference this day makes when we keep it the way you want it kept. Thank you for thinking so much of us that you gave us a time to just rest in you. May we keep it the way you would have it kept. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen, church. Amen. I want to thank Pastor Hall for such.
stirring uh, message, sober message for us. And so until we meet again Tuesday night at 7, you're dismissed. Shall we?